0: Time to sit down and interview, but some people in the entertainment business do. So sit back and relax, and you will see there's so many talented people on Understudy. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to Understudy Podcast with me, Keen Larkin. I'm glad you guys are back. I hope you listened to the last episode with Mark Arnold. I hope you really enjoyed it. This next one is um, with Davale, who is a producer and a filmmaker. And she talks about what it's like to be a, fil- uh, a woman in film and um, how she went on her path. And it's really, really interesting. So I'm really uh, excited to sh- share with you guys. And for myself I'm really enjoying doing these because I'm learning a lot you know as well as you know sharing this with you guys I'm learning also I'm learning what it's like and I, uh, to, to be a woman in film and it's something obviously I'm not uh, familiar with and um, that I don't have to go through the same struggles as as women do so it's always nice I think it's always nice to be conscious and, and to better your your understandings about other people's struggles and other people's uh, highs and and you can always learn from struggles and you can always learn from success. So that's what this uh, podcast is about. And I'm so glad that you guys are here. So what else? Uh, oh yeah, I will apologize, guys. If you hear me go <clears throat> a lot in the in the podcasts, it is because I just have a sinus problem that I'm getting medication to fix. So it's heightened now so I'm always you know going <clears throat> but I do apologize for it. My produce producer Luke has been trying to edit them as best as he can. So big props to Luke Barry. Um what else did I do this week? This week was really fun. I actually joined Luke and Kate's podcast, the Couples Podcast and it was great to talk to them. And um, Luke is uh, the producer of this show but he's also has his own show the cut the the couples podcast with Luke and Kate Luke Barry and Kate Cullman Perryman um, Luke and Kate are friends of mine Since college days And Luke and I trained together And Kate was, was uh, Kate was uh, Luke's partner And, and we really be, just became Like a little trio I am the Ted to their Marshall and Lily How I met your mother at Reference If anyone doesn't know that um, So it was great to be on their podcast It was really fun I I recommend you see, uh, check that out It is the Couples Podcast with Luke and Kate. Let me get the Instagram up just to make sure I know it's the right one, uh, the right name. No, sorry, I actually apologize. It isn't the Couples Podcast, it's Couple Up with Luke and Kate, so my apologies. So it is Couple Up Podcast, that's the name of it on uh, Instagram, follow the Instagram, follow them on Spotify, and listen to that last episode. So without further ado, I will... Now shut up and let you guys listen to Davile and her wise words and this interesting podcast. So guys, thank you so much. Again, I ask you please um please give me a message on Instagram. It would mean a lot to me if you guys message me and let me know how you felt. It helps me um you know see see what you guys are into, what's working, what's not working. So yeah, let's be active on Instagram too, guys. I really appreciate it. Alright. Enjoy There's so many talented people on understudy. Davile, I've known you for a long long time. How do I actually pronounce your name? Because I keep get sometimes I pronounce it I stress Davile or Daville or Davile.
1: Okay, so my name is Davila. Davile. But yeah, that's how they call it in Lithuania. But here I found it that uh, it's quite difficult for people to pronounce my name. So we, they say Dovele. Yeah. And uh, I guess I take both. I don't care really. Dovela. Dovele. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it's just it's just so um, unfamiliar to us that we kind of I know. I'm
1: sorry for confusion. No, no, you know, it's so funny because <laughs>
0: the same Irish names. When I was in America, you want to see the Irish names. Like I had a friend of mine in, in, in a class and her parents were Irish. So they called her Neve and Niamh is spelled N I A M H. So when you read it, our teacher read it out and they were like, NIMAHA? NIMAHA? And I was like, no, it's Niamh. So Where Where's the V? <laughs> In Irish, M H or B H is a V.
1: Yeah. Why? I, just... I remember I was working with this girl whose name was Saif, And yeah. the spelling of it is crazy. It's like S A B D H. Yeah, yeah, Saif. It's so confusing. Yeah, it's
0: so. And Maeve, neve Tyag, so many. And for me, when I was in the States, they called me Sian uh, or <gasps> Kayan, Anytime go, I go, it was funny going to Starbucks because they were like, Sian? Uh, some people call me Sean. Chian, I got one time. So. You
1: must have hated that.
0: Oh man, it's so funny. <laughs> you just did not understand uh Irish names. So I get you. I'm I'm there with you Thanks. on on um names. What is the what is the arts like in Lithuania when it comes to documentaries and film and stuff?
1: Documentaries and film in Lithuania. Um I don't know, I don't know much about it, to be honest, because I came to England like more than 10 years ago and in Lithuania I wasn't doing any art, I was studying international intercultural communication and uh, information and communication science, so I'm not like from the arts world of Lithuania. Of Lithuania? Okay. Uh Lithuania, But uh, yeah, I think there is a movement forward, movement towards like, um, creating more and more interesting stuff, I want to believe because I don't think they have enough money to create things. And I have a theory that because we were like under communism, people were like very, very restricted in terms of creation. And uh, that like kind of stopped the creativity of society. Yeah in a way because it was like so suppressed for many years and uh, I think that at the moment maybe we are free for 30 plus years but uh, it is helping us to open up a little bit but in ter- what, when it comes to creation I think there is still lack of originality sometimes and right. uh, I know that things are changing and uh, maybe it's just my perception, I don't know it's no,
0: actually is very interesting isn't it? With these, uh, with certain countries under communism, you know, the arts was quite restricted. Which shows you, in my opinion, um, it shows how instrumental and important the arts can be. Because a lot of times dictatorships are places where they want to sh- restrict people's free thinking. They usually shut down museums and theatres first. Because they don't want any arts. Because arts give, um, give way to, to freedom of speech and free thought. And that's something I think we've covered with other people on the show. So, but what I've noticed, what, what I think is when you have places that are suppressed and they get out of that suppression, there's like a renaissance of arts that go on. So it's like, it's kind of like babyish because you have to, you know, you don't have the tools that are there, but but they, have the, they will create their own way of expressing. Everyone will always create their own way of expressing. So it's interesting to see what lithuania will will be like in 10 years time yes i think
1: that's happening and i want to believe that that's happening but i also think that after communism we became free everyone started looking towards west and seeing what's uh, happening there and getting influence from america and uh, from western europe so i think there is lots of copying happening there yeah. in terms of music, what they create and stuff. You know, yep, they yeah. like, but so I don't think, I think there is no like craving for like bringing up something that's just authentic and new and totally different from what we've seen. Yeah. So it feels like they're just like absorbing a lot and uh, taking in and changing it, like transforming and making it their own, but it's still not as original as I want to see, I, I guess. I
0: agree. You know what? I have the same thing with Ireland. Ireland, I think, it has such we have such rich culture and such beautiful culture, but oftentimes we kind of focus on, on the mainstream things. And it takes away from, you know, your Irish heritage. And you would like to see more, you know, Irish arts and Irish music. Now, we are very lucky because we do have a lot of, especially Irish music is, is quite prevalent, but you know i i I get what you're saying when you have someone when when you copy something else or someone else's is is, um art forms it kind of lessens your own in a way you know and i think it's great seeing other people and being moved by other people and being inspired and and trying to recreate that kind of work i think it's just trying to find that balance you know your own heritage work your own heritage arts and and then looking for other people because i do believe that the more you celebrate each other's differences the yeah. more um the more understanding of each other we are you know we, we like to say like oh you know everyone is is the same and, and everyone should be treated equal but we are different and that's not a bad thing and i, I think sometimes we have a negative spin that being different is bad but i think when you're different you can just, you should celebrate that. You know, I want to listen, like, like yeah. what we're doing, the documentary and um, Sister Sounds Ignatius. Cool. It's so amazing to go and see someone else's culture and celebrate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I yeah, I,
0: I, I would love to celebrate more cultures and I'd love for every culture to kind of, you know, have a pride yeah. of yourself. And I'm very proud of Irish music and Irish heritage, but I think it is getting watered down somewhat.
1: It's true. And like, you know, recently I listened to I heard this um, musician from Lithuania. Uh, her name is Ostia, and she is singing in Lithu- in one of the dialects in Lithuania. Right. And, you know, like lots of bands are now emerging and I don't even recognize them. When I go home, I see them on TV and I would ask my mom like, who is this? Who is this? You Because know? <laughs> I wouldn't even know them. And uh, suddenly there is like this girl, uh, most of them are singing in English and they are trying to break through with their, you know, songs that are similar to others, that are popular, etc. And here this girl is singing in Žamaityškoj, which is one of the dialects in Lithuania. And it's just so beautiful and so original. And it's not like a folk ancient thing. It's just like where she brought herself and she said like well that's who I am and you know amazing so when
0: you say so different dialects because we have different dialects in our, in Ireland how many dialects is there in,
1: okay we okay, have I, four
0: okay we have four well uh, uh, ish
1: well so, so I think I don't want to offend
0: so that in my Irish historians but we have basically we have four kind of provinces yeah
1: right I think now. that Ireland and Lithuania is similar in right. a way We're So so you have four
0: of, you have four dialects of lithuania is that
1: how what? yeah it's four dialects and it's like different regions have uh, different like cultures a little bit they differ you know not too much but still and then they speak differently sometimes you don't even understand if someone is talking their dialect and uh, they also have it like different dishes and stuff so it is like everywhere i guess mm. Even our country is so small, but we still have this diversion.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's so funny that um, like, you look at America and how vast it is, and then you look at Ireland, and how small it is. But Ireland, you can go one side of the river to another, and you have a total different accent. So it's so interesting, um, dialects and accents and, and where they come from. That so works. you you came here 10 years ago, but you weren't in the arts. What made you
1: change okay well yeah my journey was like maybe a little bit uh, longer <laughs> I don't know <laughs> But oh uh, well first of all like so I always was drawn by it and uh, always loved it but I never like touched it because my like my parents are not from that world and uh, all it's like doing is like studying and uh mm going to uni and uh, I studied, as they say, information and communication over there and uh, our course is like, you know, it's not like creative but it's close to that Mm. kind of thing, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, so I did that and then when I came over here I studied intercultural communication, so we were studying cultures a lot and uh, it was uh, it's something I, I really love, and I guess that's why my projects are related to it. So, yeah, I was studying cultures and how different cultures are communicating with each other and what things mean, and it's a very, very interesting uh, topic for me. And uh, But with that one, there was just kind of like one way to go when I completed my master's degree, Mm. which was uh, being an intercultural communication consultant, trainer, a person who goes into organizations and uh, teaches them how to interact efficiently. And uh, yeah, mainly I was seeing those trainers who were working with corporations and uh, that, did not attract me that much I was like oh that's boring (laughs) (laughs) so I decided to explore a little bit more and uh, then I was like okay if I want to work with cultures I need to explore and experience more so that's how I went to France I spent half the year there and I was living with a French family and working at the university and starting to learn French which I did in like few months. So are you fluent in French? I'm not fluent now because it's been like already eight years since then. But if I go to France, I can pick it up easily. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I did that. And uh, then afterwards I went to New York. I got this internship at the Clinton Foundation. Um, because I thought that I can apply my skills by doing international development work. And I just applied for this internship at the Clinton Foundation. And after a few interviews, I got it. So I had to live my life here in London. Within three weeks, pack everything, okay. close everything, leave my job and go to New York, which I did. It was Where did you crazy. live in New York? Well, in the beginning, I went uh, to live in uh, Long Island. There is this place called Islip, which is like in the middle of the island. So I was commuting to my work for like an hour and a half each day one way, which was like three hours in total per day in the middle of winter, which was crazy. But that was my beginning because uh, I just went to live with uh, my cousin's close friends, you know, and they were helping me out when I got there. And, you know, when you go to a new place and a place such as New York, York, you kind of need someone to help you out a bit. (laughs) So, but that was fun. I mean, like, yeah, commute wasn't great because, like, lots of my friends, they were living close by and they, they would go out a lot and I would always have to consider my time to get back yeah. and then come back again. So, but you know, I explored uh, Long Island a little bit, which was cool. And uh, I used to read a lot on the trains. So that time was good too. And uh, then later on, I stayed for longer after my internship in New York and I moved to Williamsburg in Brooklyn which was so fun yeah, I, I loved got, that, got that got place it. and uh, after that I lived also in Queens and uh, that was cool too Right. yeah
0: and then so oh, ha- how yeah, did you start so making it the-
1: yeah okay go into the arts right so basically I was in this office in a skyscraper in New York in uh, Midtown and uh, was meeting all these politicians shaking hands with President Clinton and on, how on.
0: you can't just you you shook hands with President Clinton. Yeah. I feel like that's a good side story to tell.
1: Okay. How did that happen? Well, basically, so I was doing internship at the Clinton Foundation. One day we had this event with him where he came over and he spoke to us and he was a very, very cool guy. I really liked uh, his, um, I don't know what it is, like a special charisma, I guess, when like he walks in the room, everyone is like, you know, overwhelmed uh, you know it's like just a bunch of uh, young graduates who are like so hungry for knowledge and right. for experience and here we are sitting there and listening to him talking about life and telling giving us some life advices which is like crazy h-
0: how many times have like would, he, would you see him often or would
1: not often just sometimes I would see uh, Hillary Clinton more often at the time because she was preparing to run for president for her, whatever, the election. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he would come now and there, like here and there, but his office was elsewhere. I think it was in Harlem. Right. So he would be there and some of the interns would be interning there and they would see him more often than us. But yeah, he spent some time with us and I uh, shook hands with President Clinton and I have wow. some pictures. <laughs> okay,
0: so you shook hands with President Clinton.
1: Yeah. This
0: is and starting to be a good, like like that's a good start to go into the arts. So you shook hands with <laughs> President and inspired you.
1: <laughs> and, oh yeah, no, but actually, so he gave us a very good life advice. Do you know movie Zelig, uh, Woody Allen's film?
0: I think I've heard of it, but I don't know. Basically,
1: it. it's about this guy who pretends to be different people and he gets into places, right? So President Clinton was saying to us, well, in life you should be just like Zalik, you know, just wander around and see where life takes you. And this is the advice you're getting from this highly achieved person who is just <laughs> saying, just go with the flow. <laughs> so maybe that helped a little bit. <laughs> Uh, But but yeah, basically, so I was in that office in Skyscraper, sitting down, sending emails all day long and doing research and uh, learning a lot about international development, which was interesting in a way, but then I also realized that maybe I don't want to make it a career of my life because it felt like I'm not doing enough, like... is that it? I'm gonna sit in the office and send emails all my life and that felt not enough for me. Mm. So, I, I mean, I still carried on and I fin- completed my internship and then I explored the United Nations a little bit because I. after that I did this other internship that was to do with the kids who were learning intercultural communication in new york and we had this program where we would go to the un and we would show them around and introduce them to different departments and stuff so i learned a lot about how the united nations function and uh, that was also interesting but yeah i guess things changed a little bit when I met this crazy artist in New York, and uh, a filmmaker uh, who... uh, um, Okay, how do I do do this? (laughs) It's so complicated. (laughs) I don't know where to start, where to end, and people can get confused. You can get confused with that. But basically, so, yeah, er, every time I was doing something, it felt like, oh, I want to do something creative or, like, work in the creative world, but I just didn't know where to start or where to go. And, uh, I just finished my internships and I was working at a cafe and uh, I met, met this very, very cool artist and, uh, he, he's a, docu- he's a filmmaker and also a singer, writes songs, he writes scripts, just an artist, mm-hmm. I can say, you know, so, um, he gave me his, uh, documentary. Oh no, he was saying to me, like, oh, I just made this documentary. I was like, oh, really? And I said, like, oh, I want to make documentaries because after being at the Clinton Foundation, I started exploring that route uh, because uh, it felt like a way to go of like, maybe, you know, do filmmaking, but also talk about people in real life and different cultures that made like a lot of sense for me. Mm. And so I started like looking at some courses and, uh, and at the same time I met this guy and he told me about his documentary and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And, so, and I said to him, I really want to be a filmmaker too. And then he was like, here, watch my film. And I was like, okay. And he was keep coming to our cafe and uh, I watched his film. It was a film about the last poets the Mm -hmm. hip-hop artists, the founders of hip-hop, actually. And uh, it was very, very interesting. And then he was saying to me, well, I have a script. Uh, It's a feature film. Do you want to help me out with it? And I was like, I don't know anything about filmmaking. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good idea. Like, I can't bring any value to you. And he was like oh no, don't worry, this is not very difficult and uh, it's about the intention and et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, okay, whatever, I will look into it maybe. And uh, he sent me his script and at the time I was traveling, I went to Colombia and I was spending some weeks over there and he was keep emailing me. He was like, have you read my script? Have you read my script? And I was just busy exploring Colombia and I was like yeah whatever you know (laughs) I'll read it whenever I can but when I came back I read his script I really liked it and uh, then I decided I had some spare time so I decided I'll help him a little bit and this is going very long
0: (laughs) no 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 it's interesting Um,
1: so I started like working with him and helping him to produce his story It's basically. It's a film based on a book. It's about uh, this uh, pianist who is, uh, who is uh, like highly achieved, but he's like preparing for a comeback, and it's just about his life and Mm. his career and his uh, him being like this artist who, in the end, is alone because uh, how do you explain? He, I mean, it's like a lot of relationship with his family and with women in his life and all these troubled things that he experienced, but he's this great artist, and in the end he stays alone. Mm. So it's a beautiful story, um, beautiful script, and uh, I didn't know much, so I was like, okay, I'll help you out. So we started working together and um, we started like sending emails and he started like telling me and introducing me to the whole industry and telling me how it works and uh, what's needed and he was like i was learning a lot about like optioning scripts and books and uh, attaching actors and what's important and how hollywood works and uh, Uh, he would tell me all these crazy stories, because he used to live in L.A., and uh, he was living between New York and L.A., and uh, he had all this experience of Hollywood filmmaking. And, uh, yeah. And then afterwards, my visa expired, and I had to come back to Europe. So I had, like, almost two great years in New York, and then I returned. And at that time, it was the Cannes Film Festival that was about to happen in here. So I returned around like April or so, and Cannes is like in May. Mm. And for him, Europe is like a small place, you know. <laughs> he thinks, if I'm back to Europe and I'm back in Vilnius at my mom's, you know, yeah. I c- <laughs> might as well go to Cannes. It's <laughs> around
0: the corner. <laughs>
1: And I was like, "Are you crazy?" He was like, "No, you go to Cannes. I'm gonna connect you with all these people I know." And he suddenly arranged like this accommodation for me at this like rich woman's house who was meant to help him financially and uh, and uh, then I just like packed some dresses and I was like, "Okay, whatever, I'll go." And I just went to represent his projects there, <laughs> you know.
0: But well, you know what? It's like the Bill Clinton thing. He said, just go anywhere and yeah. experience it. So.
1: Which is crazy, too, because, you know, I arrived without knowing anybody over there and uh, all by myself. And uh, I remember I landed, like, late at night and uh, I took a train and this lady that I was, like, going to stay with, she lived, like, uh, a couple of train stops away from Cannes. So... I was taking this train and it was getting dark and in south of France you don't hear the stations announced so and it's already getting dark so i don't see the stations i don't know where i'm going i knew that it's just close by and so i asked some locals who were on the train with me
0: luckily you spoke french
1: yes (laughs) i was like excuse me where is the stop and they were like oh don't worry it's just like still a few stops down
0: okay but how do you say that in french excuse me where's the stop
1: Oh, please, don't do that.
0: <laughs> okay, I will talk
1: When we are in can together, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll say that. I'll have to two of them. Yeah, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. Yeah, so And some guys confused me, and uh, suddenly I, my, I'm i seeing through the window, my stop disappearing. No. <laughs> and it's dark. So I just, like, got off in, in the next station. And... Uh, I'm, like, standing there, and it's, like, asking some people around, like, how to, like, do I need, how do I get back? And they say, oh, unfortunately, I think that was the last train. You won't be able to get no. there. Why? I was like, okay, no worries. I'm just going to phone her, and uh, I'm just taking my phone. There is no signal, and it's dark, and I'm alone, and I don't know where I am, and there is no signal. So the, there is this guy who is, like, kind of like taking care of that station who walks out and he goes like oh forget it you're not gonna call anyone here because there is like this big satellite on the mountain <laughs> and you're just not gonna ha- get any signal if you get some you're lucky and I was like, oh great but so, like somehow I managed to get some signal and I phoned that lady and I told her where I am and some guys came and picked me up and I was like there and in- South of France, very tired, went to sleep, realized that I'm a bit too far from Cannes and it's not gonna work for me. I need to find some Airbnb to get closer because it's just not practical to be so far away. And I'm online checking Airbnbs, everything is booked. There is no rooms, not even one room available. I was like, okay, what do I do now? So I called Anthony, who I knew for a long time. And uh, I was like, I even can And he goes like, yes, I am. I was like, can I stay with you? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't think so. This house is full of guys. It's like, we don't have space here. I was like, I don't care. I'll sleep on the couch, but I just can't stay here. I need to find a place. And uh, he says like, well, okay, whatever, come over. So next morning I wake up. With this beautiful view of uh, the Mediterranean Sea on a hill, this amazing mansion, very very huge wow. and very beautiful, and this uh, this lady, she's just walking around. She's like, "Did you sleep well?" Blah blah blah, and I was like, "Yeah, it's so beautiful here, but I can't stay here." So I just went back to Cannes, and uh, I stayed with Anthony and his friends who were there, and. Uh, then everything just got better because you know suddenly I was surrounded by people I know, who already have been in a Cannes Film Festival before, so it was just easier for me. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I just met few people, represented those projects, and uh, here is how I started, I guess.
0: <laughs> wow! Started <laughs> yeah. in Cannes. Well, started from I New sp- York to Cannes. It's a good way to start
1: I know it's like backwards it's not like so, you know earning and going up slowly <laughs> from like you know being a runner somewhere and then yeah. getting to Ken. for me it's the opposite I went to Cannes and
0: then
1: I'm trying to figure out things too. I
0: mean, two great places to start what did you say if you can make it in New York you can make it anywhere yeah. So when you got back then, you just started making movies. Uh, you start making documentaries after Cannes?
1: No, it wasn't that easy. It was a bit more complicated. I, you know how I am. I'm like a person who gets along with many people and mm-hmm. uh, lots of like people in the industry I met. They really, really liked me. And we were kind of like creating those bridges and it was lasting for a long time because with those projects, I was keep returning to New York and I was staying on couches with my cousin and my friends and was still exploring this and uh, went to LA and had meetings with like Oscar winning writers. And uh, it was great experience, but it was like when I returned back to New York, uh, to London after several stays in New York, um, it was always like... Um, there was what was it um anthony was changing job and uh, he was like come with me i want to uh, you to meet all these people uh, all these filmmakers and i was like okay i'll do that and that's how we started working for molly films here mm. in london
0: for those no sure, who no, don't know yet um anthony you were talking about is anthony hales who's a brilliant brilliant producer and director and we've just uh, we, we've come off two projects with him, and Devele has come off with so many more. But uh, he's a really great guy, and hopefully we'll get him on too. I'm gonna try and rope him into it. Oh yeah, so just he for context, be fun for... to talk to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah, so basically we started working together and uh, fundraising for the projects, and uh, being involved as producers or associate producers, and then suddenly it all built up from there because. Mm we started working with as firstly for Molly films and as independent producers. And, uh, I'm helping a lot Anthony with his projects. And, uh, we are co-directing my documentary, sister Ignatius uh, Martha of Scott, yeah. which Kian is helping us out with as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: So funny fact I mean, um, how I met Double A was um, I, I worked as a waiter, as most actors do, and um, she used to love coming into my restaurant. We used She used to get food all the time in my restaurant, and we just became friends. And that's, I think, um, for anyone that is out there, you know, you don't always have to network in the way that you think you do. Pretend to put on a face and pretend you're a certain person. You go to a place and you meet at a certain thing. Sometimes I think integrity... And just being a nice person will get you a long way sometimes because, I mean, Absolutely. we never we never really tried to, you know, oh, I do this and you do this. I realise you're a producer, you realise as an actor, we used to talk about that. And eventually then, you know, Davila was like, oh, Keane's a nice guy, I'd like to work with Keane. And, and Villa you actually helped me get into a lot of places in London because you just introduced me to, you know, Miles, who's now my agent, and um, to a lot of other people, which I have so much uh, um thankfulness for you for doing that but it wasn't some um get together thing where we met in a uh, networking it was just hey i like you you're a good person I'll, you know likewise and, and that's how it came about so um the gave me um gave me a shot with, with helping her out with um producing not producing but helping her out with the production side of sister ignatius how did that start, by the way?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, first of all, I wanted to say that uh, yeah, we met at this cafe. It's just like I was working at the cafe in New York where I'm where I met that filmmaker. Well, yes. So for me, it's like uh, you know. What we are doing and how we are working together is kind of the same what I already had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's beautiful and I think it's much better because I hate networking events personally. <laughs> like, I would be there like standing in the corner or just yeah. chatting with someone I know. sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, it, it just also doesn't work. So. With you, yes. First of all, is your personality because you're so genuine and so real and such a pleasure to be around. It was just so natural. And plus, then when you shared your reel with me, I was like, oh, this guy really can act. (laughs) I was like, definitely, I will keep him in mind with any projects that I have. And whenever the suitable came along, of course, I proposed to you. And I was like... Here we go. I'm glad we
0: have that recording. The show <laughs> reel is amazing. <laughs> no, but it does go to show, you know, because I think a lot of actors want to know that sort of thing. Like, you know, how do you stand out for producers? And I think, you know, sometimes it is just genuineness. I think it, it can come by at any, any moment. You know, you don't know who you're speaking to.
1: Yes, it's so all organic. Respect, it's, yeah. yeah, you can't force it, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of my best friends says that his favorite word is serendipity. and uh, I think this is what I call it. Serendipity is like this kind of like weird uh, uh, sequence of events that bring you somewhere, right? It's like it's nice. It's like uh, what I live by, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Serendipity. Yeah,
0: look yeah it that's a nice word. <laughs> we're going to keep that one. Okay, so... so okay, so how where did, are we at? Okay. Um, we're at six or, six, six Sister Ignatius.
1: Sister Ignatius, yes. So, again, serendipity, I must say. Because when I was still living in New York, I visited my cousin who lived at in Washington, D.C. at the time. And... Uh, She was, like, at work, I was there for a couple of days, and uh, I was just exploring them all one day, and uh, my idea was, like, to visit as many museums as I could, you know? And uh, I was just, like, exploring it, and uh, suddenly I saw this beautiful house. It's called the House of Americas, I believe. And uh, I walked in thinking it is a museum, but it wasn't. It was like an institution that represents Americas in Washington, D.C. However, they let me in, and I was just really fascinated by the building, and I was just walking around while people were working. (laughs) I was like, that's so cool. I remember they had like this beautiful dance hall with uh, massive curtains and chandeliers and beautiful view of the garden. And uh, uh, there they had an exhibition of reggae posters. And uh, they were all very nice, it was all about music and uh, Jamaica being in the center of the world because of the music. And they're very, very beautiful original posters from all around the world. And as I was reading this description, I came across Alpha Boy School. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. The Alpha Boy School is uh, uh, this orphanage in Kingston, Jamaica, that has produced lots of famous musicians Mm -hmm. in ska, reggae, and jazz world. And uh, I was super fascinated by this because this is like... The kids who had no chance to maybe, you know, live, they were going to get involved in crime because like Kingston is a rough place. Mm. And I was like checking on on YouTube and saw some interviews about the boys saying like, if not alpha boys school, I would be in jail by now or dead. Mm. So that school was just like super, super amazing to me. And not just because it was an orphanage and it was giving opportunities for people to, you know, learn something and uh, have, like, a skill, but also, it was such a significant part of Jamaican music history that is, like, mind-blowing. So I had this project always in my head, and I was like, oh, this is a documentary I want to do, and that's it. And, uh, you know, I always kept it in mind while producing our projects and uh then i was i knew that i'm gonna do it at some point but i didn't didn't know when and like things fell into places one day and it was like quite recently um 2019 i believe which is funny because basically i do tango i do an argentinian tango and uh, i went to my tango class And uh, one day I met there this Jamaican guy and we started walking towards the station and I started talking to him and telling him that I want to go to Jamaica and do my project over there about the Alpha Boys School. And he goes, really? My brother just went to Alpha Boys School. You have to meet him, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, great. Let's meet him, you know. And uh, then I invited Anthony to come along with me, and here we are sitting with these alpha boys who are telling these amazing stories about them growing up in there and amazing stories about Sister Ignatius because when I said Sister Ignatius, they started screaming, she was our mom. And then they started, st- suddenly started talking to us and telling the stories about how she used to box with them and teach them table tennis and how wow. strict she was and how uh, what music meant to her and that she had her own sound system and she would like play songs in her in the garden on saturday afternoons and everyone appreciated it and we were like even more fascinated by it and uh, then we decided that's it we have to make it and then we just got ready and uh, went to Jamaica in February 2020, which was again very, very lucky. I must say. Yeah. Because it was just, yeah, before just before the lockdown, the first lockdown. And when we came back, uh, we just, you know, had a product to work on. So we are yeah. now in post production and hoping to finish it very soon and show it to the world. Yeah
0: i can't wait for it and it's so amazing you know this was the first time i've ever worked on a documentary and it's great because you, you learn something that you just you have you never knew the world of you know like the only really reggae I whatever i've listened to was probably bob marley you know the but then you look at Don Drummond and you look at Tantan when we got to meet Eddie Tantan.
1: Yes, all these
0: legends, right? It's just like, it's unbelievable what they've achieved. Yeah. Really, really unbelievable. And it's so, it's so From interesting. this like orphanage
1: the in the yeah. middle of Kingston, Jamaica.
0: But it was amazing. And, and how some of them went to the army and how some of them, and they're all, they all have this discipline, even though they're on different walks of life and they have different opinions, even of the school. Yeah. They always they have this. They always say they have great discipline. You know, which is
1: that definitely helps in life. Definitely, definitely. Yeah.
0: So, you've done movies, feature movies, and you've done feature documentary movies. What is the main difference? Or how like how different are they in in in
1: oh, terms yes. of production? Very. Uh, oh, in terms of. Well, I would say it's very, very different, actually, because, like, um, yeah, it's a film, and uh, both of them are, but one has a kind of like a clear structure, and it's all like a narration. You have a script, you get the actors, you get the set, and, you know, with the features, everything is more, like, organized and contained, but it can cost more money to okay. do well but I guess it depends you know yeah. and uh, with documentaries, sometimes you don't know where you're going right. you are starting and you're just going because like when we started doing the Alpha Boy School we didn't know it's gonna be a documentary about sister Ignatius we thought we are going to present the story of the Alpha Boy School because there is so much in there but after discovering it more and talking to the uh, the actual boys we understood how important she was behind everyone and behind the creation of, mm. like this music genre that so we are like all you listening to. You have to adapt
0: to. as you go along. You really. have to adapt and. It's like rewriting and uh, the
1: whole yes, you have to adapt, and uh, there is always something you are keep finding and uh, trying to add. Uh, and uh, I think you, of course, in documentary you also kind of have to have a structure and idea where you're going to but it can shift sometimes Mm. whereas with a script and uh, film it's just like a whole group of people coming together and they know what they're gonna have what they're gonna do in order to complete the film so So how how do you start
0: for like people are fans of that documentary world how do you start a documentary What's the force? Is there, like, a force blueprint? I mean, with, with a, a feature, I presume, it's the script. You go, wow, that's a great script. Yes. I want to make this movie. Yes. But with a documentary, is it like, wow, that's a great idea? Or this is a great...
1: Well, I haven't done enough to, you know, yeah. feel like I'm an expert <laughs> talking about
0: it. Hey, you're more of an expert than some people. that might be listening yeah. and go, hey, I want to do...
1: But, uh, basically, I don't think there is a... the There is, like the way to do it. Right. And I think that like each project is different, but uh, what is important, same as with feature films, is a good story. Mm. So if you have a good story from real life to tell, or if you have a good story from somebody's head to tell, it's gonna be a good film, most likely. Yeah. But that's for me, I guess, the main thing. And after that, you just start looking for the actual tools to tell that story, whether it's an interview or some kind of, I don't know, music or, or B-roll mm. stuff, anything, you know? Yeah. So it's like combining things together in one coherent piece. What's that all involved? <laughs> well.
0: Documentaries are getting really big now. Right, yes. you have, especially with Netflix and everything with Tiger King and all of these sort of things coming out yes. but they're getting a lot of high budgets now do you think that's going to be like in the future Then the next way forward there's going to be a lot of money in that way like if you were an investor would you be thinking wow documentaries are a great place to make money
1: I know this is a bit of a boring thing, but I'm always um,
0: interested in production and well, I yes, think
1: so. that with documentaries, as I said, sometimes it costs less than feature films most of the time. Like Because anyone can take a camera and go and interview an interesting person and build around it, right? Right. Or, I mean, have a subject that's nearby. You don't have to spend millions for the stars and building set and all that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like filming what you see. But, of course, it all depends on what you want to portray and how you want to do it and uh, so i think this is one thing that it costs less money but also one other thing what is important i think that the documentaries are becoming more and more interesting the way they are presented because we used to have lots of talking heads on tv you know it's like oh let's talk about this subject and there is like one expert talking then another expert talking and it's just you know more like academic or something i don't even know But now documentaries are getting more and more creative and they have the same, like, story structure a lot of the times. And when you combine the actual filmmaking and the storytelling together with the real life, that's how it becomes very interesting. Mm -hmm. And because there are so many great documentaries and the way they are presented, people love them. And uh, I think that, yes, it is becoming more popular, and people are willing to watch documentaries even in cinemas when yeah. they can. So, definitely, there is a rise in that field.
0: Yeah. And especially, I think now with Netflix and, and Amazon, I mean, everyone wants to watch the next documentary on Netflix. It's such a big. Oh, yeah. So, do you think it's a, a, a profitable market to get into?
1: Documentaries? Yeah. I think that filmmaking in general is a hard way to live. (laughs) It's not an easy way, so if you want an easy way, just like... Rub a bank. Rub a bank. (laughs) (laughs) Or just do something more ordinary than that. Because here you have to find your own ways all the time and uh, you have to combine so many elements and it's arts. You know, it's never been the field where people where get. It's either like you make lots of like money and success, or you're just always great and try and stuff. Whereas there's not, there's not a lot of middle
0: ground, right? There's
1: no middle ground. There is no like steady rise. Like when you go to like a big corporation where you work, and you know that you're gonna go up the career ladder if mm-hmm. you will perform well and there is a structure to that whereas here it's like a combination of everything there there is a business side because in the end like you know to make a film you have like thousands of pounds and uh, or millions of pounds so you end up as a producer running a company so you have to consider the financial side and the business side where What's going to be a margin of like making the film and selling it and like making a profit for yourself and investors? So you can be sustainable Mm -hmm. but also It's very unpredictable. You never know how the film is gonna come out Mm -hmm. if it's gonna be successful or not and success depends of on so many things there is no guaranteed recipe because it's not like oh you are going to promote it and it's gonna do great because All these creative aspects are very very important so like you know in features your actors set the directors vision and lots of lots of things including money so you really have to make them all work together in synergy to make a great project that everyone would want to see and buy and look at so it's harder because the creativity is something that you can't rationalize or define and say this is what's going to be creative. It's more like in tune with our emotions and energy, and that's something that is harder to get right or know what's going to be right or wrong.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'm just.
0: No. Yeah. No. Definitely. It, it is. what I think. Do you think like? <laughs> for someone who wants to do, like has a heart for documentary. And I think any any type of filmmaking you do, you need to love it. You need to be absolutely in love with filmmaking or acting or anything really in the arts because that's what's going to feed you to keep going. You know, it's not going to be the paychecks unless you you do get, you know. Absolutely. But if someone was to go into that field, is there anything that you would recommend them Studying do they need to go into a certain business field or a certain artistic field or or is it you know?
1: Oh
0: Add in yourself and see what happens.
1: I think it depends what you want to do really like um, Yeah, I guess like film school is definitely, you know help to understand mm. the whole thing because there is so much in filmmaking, you know you, I mean, there is like the actual production and there is like teams and teams of, you know, different ones. But you also have a producing, you have distribution, sales and yeah. all these fields. So like in order to understand that, the fast track is to go to school, I yeah. think, and to get the knowledge from there and try to apply in the real life. But even if you get that knowledge sometimes, It may not take you anywhere. It's still the persistence that you need to have. Right. So you can either learn how, I mean, I'm still learning every day, but like I'm like doing it and learning at the same time, Mm -hmm. or you can go to school. But like, you know, like I was watching this documentary of Brian De Palma, I remember, which is a great documentary about him. And he was saying, like, They didn't go to schools like him or Martin Scorsese. They just, like, learned everything. And they had, like, this massive passion. But they knew everything about lenses, about the light, about acting. They just, like, combined. That's why they are, like, masters in this uh, profession, I would say. And there's
0: some people that are just gifted like that, that. Like, I know some guy who just picked up a camera, opened it up and dissected it, you know. I can't do that. You know, I be, I'd have to I think I'd have to go to school and, and study and yeah. understand it and question because I can't just take some apart myself and understand how lighting works and understand how camera things
1: definitely work. helps yeah but, but I guess like being a producer like from the producer's perspective it is about finding the right team and putting people together who really know their craft and they can you know yeah. work together by bringing what they have
0: yeah. i think so. that's a very important thing to do anything is, is when you're in charge of something you, you don't have to do all the work you just need to be good at hiring the right people to do what they're good at i think that's in any type of business it's, it's yeah always find the people that are good at a certain thing. you know yeah. don't try and be a master of everything So you say, like, it's a hard, hard thing. Have you ever wanted to quit?
1: Like, quit filmmaking? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I I always feel... I never consider quitting, actually, because, like, what would I do? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am always looking to add things to it, because for me... um, it's not like about filmmaker filmmaking per se. It's more about like creating something. So whether it's uh, a film or a, I don't know a photography exhibition or some music or something, it's all art. So like I'm interested in everything, mm. I guess. And uh, of course, sometimes you're learning a new skill or learning about how things work. So yeah. it's always adding things to yeah.
0: me. I, I like that So what do you look for then you know when you're doing a feature film? How, how's the casting process? are you involved in the casting process on these sort of things? Or?
1: In fact I am actually involved in casting process at the moment as we speak because we are preparing to shoot our feature film and I'm an, an executive producer on it. Uh, we are shooting in March this year and What's, this for? Uh, hmm?
0: What's it for? basically
1: it's a thriller and uh i think the final title of this is going to be visitors but i'm not sure because we've been changing the title but it's like a home invasion thriller Mm. and very interesting story, very scary, but I'm not going to talk too much okay, about yes. it, but I will let you know later, or maybe <laughs> Anthony can come and talk to you about that after we finish. Uh, yeah, okay, Anthony, okay, okay. Uh, But basically, yeah, so we both are executive producing it, and we are helping our director with the cost, so we are getting, like, lots of actors self-tape and send it over, so we are looking at them and uh you know anthony's director himself he loves working with the actors so yeah. he does contribute a lot to, to it but we like look at this at like those self tapes together and we like consider whether the actors are going to work for it or not yeah. and it's an interesting process i think because in the end actors are making the film, I think they are like the main vehicle in feature films.
0: Yeah. So how how like how do you cast? What what do you see in an actor that makes you go, I'm gonna give this person a shot?
1: Good acting. Good acting. <laughs> right looks.
0: Right looks. Yeah. So what about an actor who might not have the right looks but is a great is a great, great actor. Where does it where is where does it come where you go, I know he's a good actor but this guy who's not as good as him but has the right look. Like, how, how do you... How do you choose?
1: Well, I would to never, for? like, cast you for a 70-year-old man, for example. Oh, that no. wouldn't
0: work. No, wait. Let me get my cane. I can change the cane. I'm really good at playing normal.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Could work. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, like, when I'm saying about looks, it's more to do with the actual, you know, um, like, rationale of the story. Right. So, um... And uh, in terms of the casting, I think, I mean, in the end it's director who is deciding, so like, I'm not making decisions for uh, this film part- in particular, but I'm just like, you know, seeing what might work and what, what may not work. Yeah. So first of, first of all is the acting itself, I think. And then secondly, you kind of get a vibe of first person when you see a self-tape or someone performing a small piece of the uh, yeah.
0: scene, you know. Do you like to work with the same actors or do you like to just get new guys and, because you know, so, some some people, some productions, like if you look at Adam Sandler, you know, he always has yeah. people that he worked with before.
1: Lots of, uh, yeah, lots Chris of directors do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I
0: think the understanding for me was that, is that they understand how the director works and the director understands how the actor works. and yeah. It's easier then, you know, when you go, I know, if we give Johnny Depp this, he's going to make something crazy. Or I know if we give Christian Bale this, he's going to have a certain thing. So you have that trust, I think, is is where they come from.
1: I think filmmaking in general is like people's business, business, you know? So like the relationship you have and you create while making a film, while like going through some challenge, those relationships matter. Mm. So like if you had a... Really like good time on set with someone and you know that that person is really good You will want to work with him or her again. It's just a a natural feeling that you have.
0: Have you? Sorry.
1: Yeah, and then I'm not like as they say like for me It's not about me because I'm producing so it's about what director needs and if director wants to work with the same person he or she worked before I would support that, uh, anyhow.
0: How how um, how um, important is it for you to work with well-known people? Because I know there's a lot of, you know, actors who want to know about, like, their Instagram followings, do you need to have a big Instagram followings to be in a movie, or do, does that matter to you? Or?
1: I think it matters for the industry, and it should matter for lots of people, I guess, but, I'm just so bad at it and I don't care about it at all. Well, (laughs) actors, we we
0: don't care about it. We wish, because, look, if I have 400 people on Instagram and I'm a really good actor, for us, that's what we matter. But I know from listening to other producers, they're like, okay, but we have to sell the film, you know?
1: Yes, because it does matter sometimes. For example, if you, as an actor, have a big following on your Instagram... So, like, your tweet will mean a lot to us filmmakers, producers, right. because we know that, like, your tweet about that specific film will bring lots of people who will be willing to watch it. This yeah. is our audience. Yeah. So when you have an audience, you can sell your film. And this is as simple as it is. It's numbers, yeah. you know? So it is beneficial for actors to have, like... Uh, great profile on instagram and lots of followers i think but it's such a you know like i see people are starting from there and thinking that is gonna take you somewhere and it probably does sometimes but i don't think this is the essence as an actor what you do you act yeah you are not like an instagrammer you know so it's like all these things but
0: But the funny thing is now is that there's a lot of influencers that are getting a kind of Jobs. substantial parts in movies because they have, you know, 10 million followers. And a lot of actors are discouraged by this. And that's
1: Shall we work on building your profile? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad at it. I mean, I'm, I'm game to build my profile. No, but, but
1: it's true. For example, if <coughs> it's going to be, if it, there is an audition and there are uh, like a couple of actors, I know that producers... I mean, they would not go specifically to Instagram to look how many followers you have. But if there is like one of the candidates that has like millions of followers, the other doesn't, and if they are on the same level, the, like lots of producers would choose that person yeah. because they know that there is like a vehicle to promote their film. Yeah. And as a producer, you have to think about this. Otherwise, you are not going to sustain. So as I say, it's all about creativity and stuff. but. Also this business side matters because just because of pure fact that you're spending a lot of money off somebody else's mm. So you know there is a responsibility yeah. with that because
0: oftentimes yeah the producer it's not his money you know yeah. people are giving or people are giving her money yeah. to to spend so there is pressure on yes. the producer and I think sometimes you know the producer gets a bad name for, for for doing these sort of things but you know I think a lot of times we forget that. a lot of pressure you know i'm I'm handling a a million quid from this guy yes you know it's not my million quid so it's not like if i lose it it's my responsibility i'm I'm losing it so you're trying to
1: to do the best in terms of like uh, creating a beautiful great project but you are also trying to do the best to make sure that you can at least recoup on that that's where the marketing and your like instagram profile comes in Mm. so if from that sense, I think it is important. Yeah. If it was like uh, just a person who is buying his canvas for, I don't know, 10 pounds or something and painting, you can paint whatever you want and it doesn't matter where it's gonna get to because you're not losing a lot of money. But when you're doing a film and you know that you're hiring all these people and it's like, I don't know, a, a, a team of 30 or 50 people working on it, and you're paying for them from somebody's pocket.
0: Yeah. It's, it's
1: different. It's scary. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I get it. It's So I think for actors, it's just so hard because, you know, oftentimes, you know, you work very hard. You yeah. go to acting school, you pay a lot of money for acting school. You're well trained and, and you just want to be given that opportunity. And then you see people that, I mean, you don't want to just, you know, judge someone, but you see people that seem like influence seem to not go through that discipline that you went through yeah not saying that they've never worked for it. i mean like all. i i think to get 10 million followers it could be a very difficult thing but yeah they're not in they didn't have to go through the same hoops that you did and then to see them get handed to them without working as hard as as you may have in the past it's it's, it's just very hard for an actor i think i, I imagine
1: think- because like acting like Actors career is so difficult. I mean the rejections you're constantly getting and dealing with that all the time is like unbelievable. I admire actors a lot for just like keep going all the time. For me yeah. it's much harder than being a producer or a director. Like it is really Yeah, but I want on
0: hundred million from someone else's money <laughs> and tell me, you know, this is your responsibility, man. I can't I can't even take responsibility for my own actions <laughs> let on someone else's money.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there is a, yeah, there is a different struggle, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so this is just super hard already and if it, it's unfair, as you say, like, you spend your time and this is a profession and mm-hmm. you're spending your time to become good at it and yeah. then suddenly someone who has just followers is jumping in. It's, it's not fair.
0: Yeah, I, I, but, but I also think as well, like if we, if we look at it, there's some actors that have come out of the woodwork that haven't been trained very well, you know, and are just phenomenal actors. And, oh, yeah. You know, we can say the same about them. Oh, well, that's not fair. They're just naturally better. And I think that a lot of times we play that kind of game and it can just beat ourselves up and it, it's not going to help you. I think for me... um you know working on the business side is great but i think if you are an actor i think you should be very trained in the skill side of things because once you get in the room you have to be able to show what you say you can show you know so so it's great do all the business have 10 million followers but you have 10 million followers when you get into the room you can't execute exactly what they're paying you to execute. i think it's it's, that's why i I think as
1: i say like maybe it can take you somewhere all that build up but it's not uh, i don't believe it's uh, uh, the sustainability of your career because if you're good and you are gonna be proving it all over and over and over again you're just gonna be moving forward and it's inevitable it's Mm. about focusing in yourself and making yourself better in what you're doing but not just like surrounding yourself with all these additional things and expecting this will happen by itself you know so it's always going inwards not outwards to me personally so I guess I agree you feel similar
0: so in saying that what what point of your career Mm -hmm. would you think wow I've made it Is there a point where you go, wow, what would have to happen for you to go? I've made it.
1: Okay. Um, I guess I don't think that much in those terms because it's not the end goal for me that matters. Um, I do just like to be involved with it. I wake up and uh, I'm very excited about things that I have to do on that day. And that's great. You know, always like making it and creating and uh, bringing things to some kind of conclusion so it is important for me to complete my documentary of course you know so that will be like okay look you know, I've done that I went from nothing till the end that's gonna be great Yeah. but it doesn't mean that oh I need a re- a, a, some kind of award and that's it now I'm like re- resigning from everything because I've done this because yeah. I think it's just uh, my choice to to be in there and to carry on living in there. So well, no, no, that's a beautiful that's way of looking it at it. Or maybe I'm just saying that because no I haven't felt that way.
0: Really. <laughs> no I think like we were talking about earlier before we even started, you know, some people the fact that they can be happy just living in that that space yeah is reward enough, you know? I mean some of the happiest people aren't are, are the people that are looking for the end goal but are just happy to be in the in the on the travel I do
1: think so and I do think it's very important to connect with yourself and be truthful to yourself so like every day doing something that you love whatever it is and uh, uh, that is just rewarding already yeah
0: What, what do you think is the responsibility of the artist whether you're a producer a writer an actor a filmmaker what is the as an artist, okay, first of all, what's your definition of an artist? That would be a nice thing to start with this question.
1: Okay, a definition of an artist. Well, I think that uh, I see artists most of the time as some kind of sen- sensitive creatures okay. who are constantly observing what's around us and what's inside. And by they by observing it, and summarizing and communicating into the world something that they perceived from all of it is the actual product, actual art. So I think in a way it's kind of like a mirror of society of what's around us and what's inside us, what we experience, but that mirror is always authentic and is always like, I don't know, maybe broken sometimes. Right, it's not a bad thing, it's interesting.
0: So, what's the responsibility then of the artist?
1: Um, I don't know, I think everyone has uh, different ideas. Some people do it for fun, yeah, <laughs> some people do it for uh, changing the world. Uh, but I recently read um, Marina Abramovic's perception of that, and she's this great performance artist from Serbia, I believe. Okay, and uh basically she was saying that she is only interested in arts that are there to change the ideology of society right. and the art that ser- that's only like pure aesthetics is not something that she is into and I think it does make sense to me in a way because like it's if we are taking something from you know from around us and uh, putting it back to society to look at, because that happens sometimes, like with the pictures, paintings and lots of things, music as well, then there must be this, like, it doesn't have to, but it's nice and it's meaningful when when there is something that is maybe challenging us to look at what we are doing wrong, because that helps us to move forward and evolve as human beings.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, I
1: agree.
0: yeah and I think um you know there's two sides of art there's there's the art to to challenge people like yeah. you said you know and there's also the art to entertain people and not one of them is better than the other you know but just some people have a stronger, Connection to one than the other, you know. Totally. And I, I think that some of that makes pre- people laugh is so important, especially right now. Absolutely. To, oh my god, we
1: need comedy. We, we need also need to time. Cry, Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> I I agree with you. With,
0: we, with, like when we were working on Sister Ignatius, you know, I've noticed that there's there's you know different grants for different things, and one of them was you know women in film. Yeah. Do, do you think that um, women in film is getting more progressive? Is is, and like. Is there more opportunities now? And will there be more opportunities? Or is it something that we still have to fight for?
1: I think there are more opportunities now because there is a big focus. You know, there are programs created uh, for, like, uh, you know, educational programs just for women. Or there are some funds for women filmmakers and festivals. So, you know, there are all this support mechanisms around that are also always helpful and you know if it's there why don't you like why not use it you know so it's great and uh um yeah i think it's getting maybe better but I could probably tell you about that in like 10 years time to compare <laughs> to compare today with what's gonna happen later yeah but there is this big focus right now like you know people want to know what women are doing and yeah. they want to hear women voice more and more and uh, I'm happy to hear that and uh, I don't understand why it's taking so long
0: <laughs> Do you, have you ever felt discriminated in, in in our industry or in the film industry based on on your gender or mm, anything yes
1: I have okay. um, you know uh, part, part of my job is uh, fundraising it's a big part of my job and when I just was starting I had a few instances where uh, I have this theory that like most of the money is with men in the world right, right. so like,
0: it's a good explanation men
1: enough, so. what do they do like especially like this old school and i know that we are breaking it and things are happening but i'm just talking about you know in general terms yeah so men have money and they like to do business with men they come together and they're like oh i want to do this okay let's do this no, no, no. Yeah. with women they still there's this still percep- there is this perception of we are kind of like a decoration to a man and I don't know i don't see it like always this way and i think that as i say everything is changing but it's like still somehow rooted in uh, i don't know lots of perceptions and you know we could be talking about feminism for hours probably and the problems in there so filmmaking is you know having its own issues same as like in any other field because like Women are getting paid less, you know, and there is lots of, lots of problems still. So filmmaking is not an exception. So my experiences were when, uh, for example, I thought I was having a business meeting with an investor who introduced himself as uh, an active investor in the films, and when I got there, suddenly it would be like... uh, Oh, let's have some wine. And the uh, first question that wow. they ask is, do you have a boyfriend? It's not about, tell me about your project. Yeah,
0: it's like a but date, but, nearly.
1: Yes, wow. and they are they were using this possibility to, you know, wow. attract my attention and get me there. And me, as like, you know, I would want to explore that avenue to see if, Because if he's going to be talking with another man, he would be talking about the actual project that they want to create. With me, sometimes they would talk about that, but sometimes they would talk about these different things because they are using that as a tool to get my attention. So for a female producer, that happens sometimes. But, you know, I don't want to judge all man or say this is the case and yeah. this is what i'm struggling against it's just like i've experienced that
0: yeah no but it's and always uh, important to know that yeah because like if you experience that at such a modern time where we're thinking that you know we're changing things we can just see how rooted it
1: yes. is it yes is. and uh, i always thought it's unfair because you know it's like uh, the same members club where everyone goes and i know i know personally how men they meet and they like talk about things where like oh what do you do i do this oh i invest in this let's have a meeting together and then they discuss and they see if it matches or not and then sometimes i was feeling like what am i doing here is like just for fun you know like how unfair is that if they are doing that business together why don't they want to listen to me Right. Just because it's like an entertaining uh, So case, do you, do you know? think
0: that goes back to, you know, not wanting to listen to you because of of that old-fashioned way of thinking that the men are in charge and the men are better, you know, money are because they're in charge of the household? Do you think it's just like a learned behavior?
1: Yeah, but also well, like it's, uh, you know, we, don't, we must not forget uh I would be most of the time talking to like uh, above 50 years old white man who is a businessman. Mm-hmm. It's just what it still is most of the time, not saying all the time. No. So, you know, the way they perceive me, I'm not from his country and yeah. uh, I didn't have like that much experience when I was having these experiences that right. I was telling you about. So I think it's a combination of uh, things and yeah. maybe also, like, if you guys were, like, some kind of crooks, you know? <laughs> so, like, lots yeah. of different crazy stories happen in and this world.
0: What about, from you know, Dominican. have you ever felt discriminated because you're from Lithuania? Is that, would that have anything to do with it being in England or is it primarily, you know, female? I don't female? know,
1: maybe not because... Um, yeah, creative industry, filmmaking attracts so so many strange people. Maybe I have, but uh, I guess I tend not to focus on that too much because I think that we all experience some kind of hiccups in our lives, and right. it's just like inevitable. Yeah. And why would we fixate on that if we can just like focus on our goals and what we try to achieve? If something comes into my life. That doesn't work. You're, like, moving forward and saying next and next and next, you yeah. know. So that's how I tried to see it. Yeah. But I also had another experience when I was, um, working with this filmmaker from New York and we would go into business meetings. He had, like, lots of respect for me, but he was also, like, older than me. He is older. And, uh, every time we went into a meeting, out of respect for me and out of him knowing how the other people in this industry would perceive me, perceive me, he would introduce me like as his business partner. He would say sometimes like, oh, this is the villa. She's not my girlfriend. Uh, she's my business partner, just to let you know. Because like, you know, if it's yeah. like a meeting in a restaurant, it would be like lots of people would think oh there is this filmmaker right. artist who brought along his young girlfriend right. you know yeah, like yeah. so that felt a little bit weird but i i knew where he's coming from also he's weird so sometimes his <laughs> actions are strange right. but i kind of know where he where he's coming from and he did it with like only good intentions and with respect to who i am and what i'm bringing to the table as a person yeah. you know
0: but it's still shitty that that has to be done Yeah. because if he brought me,
1: yeah,
0: it'd be like, this is King. Yeah. He's, he's, he's working on this thing and, and it wouldn't be any thought about it. People were like, Oh, this guy is, is and, working.
1: you know, we are like, we are just like these two independent artists. who are trying to make something. So we are not working in a big production company. That's different than, you mm-hmm. know, if you are, if you have a role in a, bigger company of course if you're going to a meeting it's a business meeting it's different you know but because it's like this indie filmmaking and everyone is trying to do what they can and then it gets like mm. confusing and messy i guess and yeah. uh, perceived differently I yeah. guess.
0: but you know it, it's always across the board because i've, I've met actresses mm. that have the same thing and then you have women in in different uh in different um fields that that feel the exact same thing so
1: oh yeah it, 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 I think actresses experience a lot yeah. of that and uh, 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 yeah I mean Harvey Weinstein's story has shown and revealed it in like on a grand scale but yeah it's just one one man there are many of them
0: many 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 yeah and uh, like you said like some some men may think that they have good intentions but it's still May belittle people as well, you know? The, yeah. The fact that he has to go, this is my girlfriend. I mean, when you walk in the room, it's kind of like weird that uh, that has to be said. Yeah, you know? exactly. It she, should be like, this is not LA. Yes. She's working on uh, yeah. this. Yeah. And, oh, yeah no, the, the thought, guy
1: so. is trained, So I'm not saying like, oh, this is how it should be presented or like, this is great. But it was just like, uh, you know, it just represents the society we're living in, in a yeah. way, you know? So I'm not saying like it. Does happen everywhere? Definitely not. But I think that every single girl who would sit in front of you here would have a story to tell. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, I, I would agree, and, and and then other people as well have have different things. But what what do you think? Um, you know, for a white male, you know that that w- would be would see this and understand there is a problem and take responsibility. How how can guys like this change? you know, coming up, you know, because in 30 years' time, I'm going to be that 50-year-old yes guy, you know.
1: And you will people be like that me. person. I no, but, I, I, but,
0: <laughs> but I, do, I, I, I do think, you know, we're heading in, in a better direction. I think people my age um, are, are definitely more aware, but it's, it's still going on. It's just
1: simple. It's not using your power to benefit personally. That's what it is, really. Yeah. Because if you have the money if you're investing in the films or you are a big shot producer who is costing or you know anything don't use that as a tool to get something that you want personally from that specific person keep it professional and that's that's it really
0: okay yeah okay well I'm glad we got to talk about that i like to I'd like to ask that question to everyone
1: Yeah. you
0: know and um see what's going on in the world and see how, how we are because I think artists do show these things um, yeah. and bring things to light so it's, it's, it's very interesting to me to sit down with a woman and find her struggles or sit down with um who, someone maybe foreign or, or anyone like that and see how we come together I even I remember speaking to Eddie Tantan and he he's like, you're Irish, and he gave me a big hug, and he's yeah. like, you know, when I came here first, seventy years ago, there used to be signs, I was saying no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, you yes. know, and he bonded with me over, he was like, you're my brother, you're Irish, and it was beautiful to see, you know, and I think it's always nice to to learn people's struggles, yeah, and to, it to be with them in, in but
1: really uh, even when you experience it, like, you know, I am, I am a woman, and I'm a foreigner in this country so you know i can just like cry about it or just like get on with it and say okay whatever this is not for me and move on that's it so yeah. i also think that uh, it's not good to focus too much on it it's important to address and talk about it but also like you know maybe in 5 years time you as a white male actor will be having problems to get roles or something and you will be discriminated we don't know it can change maybe, right maybe. so anyone can start having some issues and yeah. it it just is there and I, know, uh, I, mean,
0: I like what you said you know like if you're going to be discriminated against you're going to be discriminated against, you know? Yeah. But you need to keep moving forward. And yes. You need to keep changing. It
1: uh, can always be anything. It can yeah. be, you know, your height, your looks, your, your nationality, your accent or yeah. your sex, whatever. Of course, it shouldn't be there. But, like, if it exists, I hope it becomes less and less relevant to, you know, yeah. and Me it too. progresses. But just don't focus on it. Yeah. I love that. No, thank
0: you for saying that. And Right, let's switch it up a bit. Yeah. Make it a little bit funner. If you oh, could God. have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? Dead or alive?
1: One dead person. Dead or
0: alive. One person to have dinner with. And pick their brains out.
1: Okay, I think it would be Keith Richards.
0: Keith Richards? <laughs> wow, well, okay. Well, can you explain why Keith Richards?
1: Oh, I love his book, Life, uh, It's his autobiography. Uh, He, well, first of all, I love people who are very, like, truthful to themselves and very raw and real and simple, Mm. who are not, like, trying to pose or present themselves differently than from what they are. And Keith Richards is an example of that. Well, also, he's a great talent in music, of course, and uh, he just lives with it, he breathes it, and I always admire that thing in whatever people like, you know, it can be music or anything, really pottery, and if you really love it, it's just yeah. so beautiful to see and yeah. talk to that person. And the third thing is that uh, I think he's a good example of how someone who is... Um, I don't know, not perfect on this planet but just came and does what he likes and is having fun in his life. So like his story is just fascinating to me and uh, I think he's a really cool guy and uh, he uh, spends lots of time in Jamaica so it would be nice to just yeah, hang okay. with him there and don't take- Kingstown, yeah, and
0: Keith just Richards listening, and playing a little bit—that could be cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's maybe. random. I know, but yeah, I would love that. Keith, no, just i would never think of it. You know, <laughs> someone always says like Socrates or, uh, you know yeah, <laughs> Keith Richards. <laughs> um, I think that should end it. I think we've wow, we've we've had such a great talk, such a long talk, and I'm really really grateful for you to come on board. And I'm just wondering if you have any last sage bit of advice. For anyone listening, maybe they're a filmmaker, maybe they don't, they're just interested in what we're talking about. Maybe it's moist because nobody's listening. <laughs> but do you have any sage pieces of voice for anyone out there?
1: Um, I guess that lots of people are rushing to achieve things and perform and be great and do all these things, but. What they forget sometimes is themselves. So it's just like maybe listen to yourself and relax if you're anxious and see what's going to happen next and have fun with it. So that's probably my advice.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Devlin, for coming on. Thanks uh, for
1: inviting me.
0: No, it's, it's my pleasure. Fun. <laughs> There's so many talented people on Understudy. And that was Davale, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for jumping on and having a listen, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to, for Davale to come on and, and share with us our story. It was a real pleasure. I'm very, very grateful that uh, you came on. and very grateful for your friendship. Um, next podcast, uh, next week's episode, is going to be another great one. I have a big, big... Uh, surprise for you guys it is i'm gonna do an interview with darren conway and for anyone who doesn't know who darren conway is darren conway is one of the funniest men in ireland he's a comedian he's an actor he's an instagrammer youtuber he's an influencer (laughs) he's gonna hate me saying that but um yeah, he's a, he's a great guy, he's a really, really funny character, it's great, he can have a laugh, but he also has some nice stuff to say as well, so it's really interesting to hear, you know, the side of the, 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 the Instagrammers and the, the influencers on and, and their take of things, and how he just doesn't take life too seriously as well. He's a, he's a really good guy, I really, really enjoyed having having that time to talk with him, so please tune in for that, I know there's going to be a lot of viewers for that, because there's a, he's a really big name in ireland so i'm really um, glad that i got the opportunity to work with him and to to talk with him so tune in next week for darren conway and how he eat. he eats his chips really weirdly he eats chips and really weirdly and we'll get into it in that next podcast but tune in for the next podcast where i talk with darren bye-bye
1: there's so many talented people on understudy